0: There you go. So our brother must have been reading my minds. This sermon is a doozy. Um, I said to someone Wednesday <coughs> at a pastoral visit that the sermon text is a doozy. And this is a doozy. The subject is um, is difficult. So obviously, what we read doctrinally is um, concerning uh, original sin, so which is the imputation of Adam's sin as... He is our federal representative, of covenant head. In the New England primer, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. So whatever he did or failed, uh, we get his his, um, demerits as it were. So it's the conveyance through ordinary generation of the corruption and then the imputation, which is kind of forensic or legal of the guilty sentence. Not guilty feeling, guilty sentence of sin, which is to say death. And then from the, the, the original sin proceed all actual sins. And the, the general subject of what we just read, um, if you're a visitor, you'll probably never come back, but it's called total depravity. And then if you wonder, well, how does the business of um, free will work with uh, all of this business? Um, if you're not on the church uh, list to get my notes, um, I'm going to include in tonight's sermon's notes Uh, the business of free agency versus free will. It's an interesting, uh, there are two articles, one by J.I. Packer and the other by John Murray. If you're wrestling with the business of free will, um, you you should put your your name on that email list, and and I think J.I. Packer and uh, and, uh, Murray will help you. Okay, Acts chapter 16. Turn in your Bibles there. I keep thinking I can make it further down the road uh, in, the, in the passage you know, week by week, but I, I guess I can't. Um, okay, I'm going to read 16 through 21, 16 for some context, but my text really is in 19 through 20, 21. Um, you know what? Let's pick up 14. We'll see happy news with the conversion of, uh, of Lydia, the businesswoman, and then some sadder news with the demon possession of the poor slave, slave girl, and then the, the masters of the slave girl, they're equally possessed by the devil and they reject Christ too. But John, uh, Acts 16, verse 14. Hear God's holy word. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to all of the things spoken by Paul. When she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful of the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and after us, she kept crying out, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned around and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplaces before the authorities. When they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and they are proclaiming customs, which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, uh, being um, Romans. May God bless the reading of his word and the extension of his kingdom and the destruction of the devil's kingdom. Uh, let's, let's pray. Gracious God, this is the day and the time, the occasion that you have ordained for the proclamation of your word, for the gathering in of your elect and the progressive um, uh, sanctification of your people. Uh, Gracious God, I pray that you would be with me, Holy Spirit, and guide me, thou my great Jehovah, that the words of this sermon would be the words of your holy scripture, and for all of us, that we would have the requisite faith to believe your word, to love it, even the things which are frightening and that we would tremble at the threatenings and the warnings and as your obedient children, we would cling to Christ. Have mercy upon us, almighty God, in light of the weightiness of the subject. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the section I just read, uh, obviously I I kind of prefaced it by the the reception of the gospel by a businesswoman, Lydia, and we're told why she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul was preaching Christ, which was what Paul was preaching. He's preaching the gospel of Christ that we are fully forgiven and reconciled by believing in the blood of the Lamb of God. She received um, Jesus as Paul preached. And the Bible tells us how that occurred. The Lord opened her heart. I mentioned the total depravity of man. We'll talk about this in the body of the sermon. Uh, the only way that that is overcome is by a God who can do the impossible. He takes away our stony heart. This is Ezekiel 36. This is what it means to be born again in the church of my youth in New England. We thought born-again Christians were an a cult. Uh, born-again Christians are go-to-heaven Christians. This is a John 3, 1-9, that you're spiritually reborn. God the Holy Spirit does it. And then you believe that you're a sinner. You believe Christ is your only hope in life and death. And God did that for her. You remember when Jesus said to Peter, so who do you guys say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did did Jesus say to Peter? Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. What? My father. This is a gift of God. So belief is not something inherent or intrinsic in man. Men are fallen. And so when we believe, it's a miracle. Sometimes in... When OPC men come to be OPC ministers, they always ask, do you believe in miracles? And there's a theological discussion what a miracle is and what... I believe in miracles. And um, there are... uh, B.B. Warfield doesn't believe in the continuation of miracles. He's a genius. He defines it variously. I believe in miracles because I'm here. (laughs) I was an unbeliever and now I'm a believer. Um, I was dead and now I'm alive. I believe in miracles because I'm looking at people that were... Sinners, and now you're covered with the blood of the Lamb. To me, that's a miracle. That's Lydia. And then we continued thematically. The preaching of the gospel goes out. It's, it's we, we are to be profuse with the proclamation of the gospel. We're not to prequalify. You can't say, well, who looks like they're going to believe? Some of the people who are raised with the biggest privilege, spiritual pro, privilege, privileges, Hezekiah's son was what? Manasseh. So some of the people raised with the greatest spiritual privilege. Privileges, you would think, wow, they're going to be great Christians. And they're not. They're great enemies of Christ. And sometimes people you think, boy, they're, they're pagan as a post. their folks are pagan as a post, and they're always going to be pagan as a post. And they end up writing two-thirds of the uh, uh, they were uh, of the New Testament. So we have the preaching of Christ. Some say yes, some say no. We looked at this woman last week. She is possessed by a demon. The word literally is Python. That's the Greek word. She's possessed by a Python spirit. Python Penuma, Python Spirit, so she's demon-possessed. And we talked about that last week. So she's the slave girl. And previously we had the businesswoman, both ends of the the economic spectrum. God's not a respecter of people. Rich people come to know Christ, poor people reject Jesus, and vice versa. And we're going to look at the vice versa when we come to the masters of the slave girl, who I am classifying as Christ-rejectors. So a Christ-receiver with Lydia, a Christ-rejector with the slave girl... And her masters, likewise, we're going to consider them under the general heading of a Christ rejector. Now, we get people visiting all the time, and people ask me, do you think they'll stay? Do you think they'll stay? Do you think they'll stay? Do you think they'll come again? And I always think, well, I don't know. I know my own preaching method, which is to take the Bible and plow through it, which I think it's plain vanilla, but sometimes I get looks like, what is this crazy thing you're talking about? Why are you doing this? I will never come back here again. So I think I'm doing something strange. But my library in my office is, runs from 1500s maybe to the 1800s. I stay in the older things. It's plain vanilla. But the subjects of the Bible can be fairly heavy. Am I right with that? I don't generally find, and Jesus was yucking it up, and everybody was having a good time, and let's go have ice cream. I don't find that. But if I were to do that, I'd probably need a shoehorn. But I don't do that so I don't need to shoehorn so we'll see so we are to live upon every word of God that comes from his mouth and so as we we look at these fellows um, these masters who are so disgruntled with the work of Paul and Silas in Christ um, that they don't care that their slave girl has been set free from Satan in fact they're very angry they're Christ rejectors. So in the proclamation of the gospel, sometimes, we, did we talk about this last week? Sometimes when the gospel goes out, I, I, I hate to use these words, reformed and non-reformed, Calvinist and Arminian, we're Calvinists. Um, don't tell anybody, but we're Calvinists. And but we're, prof- we're evangelical. I mean, read Calvin on, uh, on Romans chapter 10. He, he's evangelical. But all that to say, some non, some non some reformed people don't like the idea of offer. They don't like to even say that word, and as soon as I use that word, they accuse me of being a weenie. That I'm not a real Calvinist. I'm really a closet Arminian, and I've got John Wesley, not John Calvin, tattooed on my chest. I promise. In the proclamation of the gospel, there is an offer. This is the 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We beg you in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? Right? We beg you in the name of Jesus Christ, be reconciled. I understand that the gospel is sometimes put in command form. Do it, take, come unto me. I get it. But I don't see the proclamation of the gospel. Come or I'm going to damn you to hell and have a nice day. I don't see that. Come to Christ. Feed upon Christ. Drink of Christ. Lean to Christ. Look to Christ. That's an offer of Christ. What these men represent are people that hear that offer. Come and have eternal life. All of your sins forgiven. Think of that. I mentioned some of us are converted later in life. That we spent a long time in the pig pen. We know what the pig pen smells like. If you know what the pig pen smells like, raise your hand. Just kidding. We're just in a Presbyterian church. But if you do, imagine I come to you. And you're covered with your sin, and you start to be sensible of your sin. And I say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, forgive it. People may not forgive you. Mostly they don't. Mostly people don't. People are not merciful. But God is merciful. A lot of people, what this text shows us, is they hear that and say what? No, thank you very much. So these men are an object study in Christ rejectors. So I'm going to use term. I'll talk about hell today, sorry. I'll talk about rejecting Jesus, hating Jesus. That's what these men represent. And so I'm talking to brothers and sisters, and since I do believe that God preserves his elect in him, one of the ways he does it, I can't figure out how it works, but I know he does it, is he uses warnings. He keeps us in the narrow path of Christ by warning us Is that a hypothetical falling away? I don't even know what the... I I do understand the philosophical debate. But he warns us. So these guys here are a warning against what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3 is the evil heart of what? Go ahead, fill in the blank. Unbelief. In the church. A minister texted me the other day about some kids who are not kids anymore because my kids are not kids who grew up with my kids. And they're off living... Oh, man... I wanted to weep. Being in the church is not the same thing as being in Christ. You could be OPC, JPC, homeschool, C, It doesn't matter, right? You look and think, oh, these were my kids' buddies. And they're off in the weeds of sin. So this business of saying no to Jesus is not just out yonder. It's not just out yonder. It's serious business. And so I say it in love, not looking at it, or I think, who are they real believers? Are they not re- I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that God puts this here in his word to warn us that this is a possibility. And these particular kind of Christ rejecters reject Jesus for a particular reason. And we're going to see it's the love of money. It's the old-fashioned, not the OJ song, I know I'm dating myself for the love of money. But we'll talk about that. But that's who these people are. They hear, come to Christ, be forgiven, and they say, um, no. As regards to that, just considering the general subject of that, for folks that say no to Jesus, and I suppose I'm going to show my eschatological cards here. This is in Matthew chapter 7. There are two roads that everybody's on. You remember, I didn't write the Bible. I promise I didn't. So what I'm going to say is you're going to say, well, John, you're such a negative Nelly." and that's because you're Irish and you think bad things are more prevalent than good things. I do think there's a lot of bad things in the world, not because I'm Irish. Jesus says there's two roads. There's a big old broad road, and how many people are on it? Many. And there's a narrow road, and how many people are on that? Comparatively few. Do I know the comparative few in the book of Revelations is myriads, myriads, myriads. It's not 144,000. The JWs are completely they're not Christian. It's way more. But comparatively speaking, he uses the term many and few, right? Where does the broad road go? Hell, I hate to say that. You you know, because I'll keep the church manageably uh, to a manageable size if I use the H word. But I'm going to have to use the H word. Christ says, I didn't say, Christ says, Many people are on a road that's going out. It's a Christless road. It's a crossless road. And um, they reject Jesus for what these men reject Jesus for, which is the love of money. So so, so when we, we consider these things, it's a heavy duty. This is kind of... People that reject Jesus in this life In this life, Christ rejectors say to Jesus this, you depart from me. What will Jesus Christ say to them when they enter into the next life? If they've spent a lifetime saying, you depart from me, Jesus, because I want my idol, what will Jesus say to them on the last day? You depart from me. This is real business. I was not raised in, I was raised in a Christian church, but not a Bible Christian church. So I, did, I only knew a precious little Bible. I beloved, it. Everyone here should be Bible Christians. The Bible is our rule for faith and practice. So when you read the Bible, you're going to say, wow, Jesus said a lot more stuff about this subject. He actually talks about hell more than any Old Testament prophet or apostle put together. But, so we want to be Bereans. And so look at, look at what the text tells us. That's the general subject. Look at what the text tells us about how much profit this woman brought her masters. Remember, she's demon-possessed. She's telling fortunes. And I won't ask the question, how many here have ever gone to like Sister Ruby and had your... Somebody has. When we were children raised in a Christian church, a a species of a Christian church, we would get for presents Ouija boards. (laughs) You know what a Ouija board is? I I don't even know if they have Ouija boards anymore. Do you know what they are? It's necromancy. You're talking to the dead. This is like a Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is, a, this is not a good thing. The, you take the board and there's a little thing there and all of the kids sit around and you say, Oh, Spirit, tell me what color is such and so. And the, the thing moves around the board. It's necromancy. Is that kind of a thing popular? She brought her masters much What? What we're looking at here in this passage is the nature of man. Fallen nature of man. Unconverted man. uh, 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 Man apart from the saving grace of of God in Christ. This is what man is. And so just generally, we're finding out this woman is exceedingly popular. The popularity of I'll tell your future by the power of the devil. Even Christians will sign up for that. This is why false religions, and I would argue false forms of Christianity, I hate to use the heretic, but since I'm talking about hell, let's throw heresy in there. So false religions and heretical forms of Christianity are exceedingly popular. You need a shoehorn to get, they're very popular. That's what we learn here. She made a lot of money. People loved it. Why do they love it? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a time will come when they hear just Plain old Bible? Plain old sacraments? What are they going to say? Boring. Boring. We need something else. That's this. Remember God liberated the children of Israel out of bondage? 430 years they're slaves. And God liberates them. What's the first thing they do? He's up, Moses is up on the mountain receiving the law of God and what are they doing? Make a calf. And they rose up to what? Play, And there's a sexual connotation to that. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. The reason false religion and false forms of of Christianity are popular is because they appeal to the flesh. They appeal to the flesh. So it reveals to us the nature of man. People, you've you've seen this. Your best life now and these other, whatever they are. And there's 50,000 people in a stadium taking notes. And we think, that charlatan. Why is that guy there? Because 50,000 people want him to be there. And they'll pay him big money to be there. So the flesh will pay big money to be kept in deception. These are people that say the truth is the lie. Christ alone pays for your sin. That's not true. And these are people that say that uh, the, the lie is, is truth. It's very popular. And so it's all, I can't say this dogmatically. That if I look out there and see a a, a form of religion that is exceedingly popular to people that are, you're looking like, this doesn't look like holy, I can almost tell you that it's antithetical to true religion. uh, Because um, what God says is true is generally not popular to the flesh. So what we're looking at with these Christ rejecters is what we would consider to be the depravity of man. Now, when we talk about the depravity of man, if I were to ask you, Oh, if you were to go outside and say to people, um, are people basically good or basically bad? What do you think they would say to you? If you ask them that, basically good, basically bad, what are they going to tell you? People are basically good. There's a street evangelist. His name is Ray Comfort. I want to say he's like 70 72. I don't know his denominational stripe. I love him. Uh, he's a rock star. You can watch him on YouTube. And he does a series of law questions. I don't think he's reformed, but hes a, I love him. So he has law questions to get to the gospel. That's our Galatians chapter 3. This is completely legit. Have you broken the law? Therefore you need the one who pays for the law. It's completely legit. And he asks the people these questions, something like this. Have you ever stolen any, but anything? Have you ever lusted for anything? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Stuff like that. Have you ever disobeyed mom and dad? And then... After they've told him he's a good person, then he says something like this So you're a lion, thieving, blaspheming, adulterer. And then he'll say, So now that these things are true, do you still say that you're a good person? And what do they say back to him? Yeah. Yeah. What is this, beloved? Man is spiritually dead. You could have the glossy photos of them holding up the bank. You, you literally could say, this is you. Let me pl- press play. This is you. And they're going to look you right in the face and say, what? Uh, I'm a good person. I'm a good person while I say no to Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven even while I say no to Jesus. Beloved, our view is not, we don't want our religion to be based on what man thinks. We want our religion to be based on what? What God says. And I'm not going to quote it because I'm going to get myself too bogged down. But Romans chapter 3, take verse 1 all the way to verse 18. No one does good. No one seeks God. Everybody's a scallywag. And apart from the grace of God, we're all on the broad path is what essentially says. That's what this man represents. And so we want to be Bereans. We want to, Jesus says, live on every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. So when we look at Christ rejectors, we want to see what the Bible says about these people. So when people say, you know, I say no to Jesus, but I'm still a good person. We don't mean do they not love their cat, or can they make a peanut butter, and jelly sandwich good? We don't mean that. We mean before God. What are they before God? Right? People can be, we're gentle and kind to our kids and our grandkids. We don't mean that. We mean before God are they good. And the Bible says to say no to Jesus in favor of money, that's bad. That reveals anti-God nature, anti-Christ, pro-Satan. I hate to say it, but that's what we're looking at. That's what these people represent. We mentioned last week, which is what this fellow is, these masters, we mentioned last week that not only does the Bible tell us that people are dead in their sins and trespasses, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that, that they are enslaved to the devil. I, I said the other day, sometimes Christians in the church, we look down our snoots at other people. You know what I mean, look down our snoots. Mm, I can't believe you're so disgustingly dirty. I'm not pro-sin, I'm not pro-living in sin or anything. But Jesus is in the save and sinners business. He didn't come for the righteous. We thank God that he didn't look down as snoot and sinners because we'd all go to hell. Everyone, apart from the grace of God in Christ, everyone is the slave girl possessed by the devil, controlled by the devil. Everyone is like these men, apart from the grace of God in Christ. We're all Christ rejectors. The Bible says this. 2 Corinthians 4. Ready? Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case... Now, now listen to this. In whose case the God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God is a spiritual problem. This isn't rich folks against poor folks, black folks against white folks, Democrat folks against Republican folks. That's not the problem. And I'm a conservative, this and that, and if you come to the House, I'll tell you how I vote. And if you want to know how I'm losing all my weight on my diet, I'll tell you that too when you come to the House. But man's problem is not that I was 50 pounds overweight. Man's problem is we're... spiritually bound to the devil. And what's the solution for that? Jesus is the solution. In the name of Jesus Christ, live. Christ is the strong man. He breaks the power of the devil. Not me. Not me. This isn't therapy. This isn't the 12 steps. I spent many years in the 12 steps. This isn't the 12 steps. This is the spiritual power, breaking a spiritual power. Christ the greater, breaking the dominion of the devil. This is a Colossians 1.13 so when we, I look at this woman, or I look at these fellows, it's not, oh, you lousy, but they're bound. Remember that I, I mentioned the person that was raised with my kids. They're bound, bound by the devil. If, if you thought your child was bound by the devil, and they're your child, what would you do for them? Look down your snoot at them? What would you do? Jesus Christ open their blind eyes, break the power of sin, break, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Of course you would. That's what we see. Now, when we look at this Christ rejector, they represent, this, this, these masters, they represent a certain class. Different people reject Jesus. They say no to Jesus for different reasons. Some people reject Jesus. I can remember I rejected Jesus for this reason. When the Campus Crusade for Christ kids came to me at UMass Amherst, where I went to school, they said, you should become a Christian, a born-again Bible-believing Protestant Christian. And I asked them, if I become a Christian, can I still drink beer until it comes out my eyeballs? And they said, no, no, that you, you, can't really, you can't be a drunken loon and, and be a Christian. And I said, well, if I can't be a drunken loon and be a Christian, no, thank you, ma'am. I, I, I would rather not. What was I doing? I was choosing beer. You think, well, pastor, that's stupid. But lots of people do that. Let go of your paramour. Your paramour is a fancy way of saying an illicit sexual relationship. Many people reject Jesus because they will have their unclean sexual sin. They will have it. And they won't receive Christ. How many of us have people in our families, they're way too smart for Jesus. They're just like Hawkins Dawkins. Way too smart. Is it that they're too smart for Jesus? No. Their intellect is their God. They're too proud. Fill in the blank. So these guys are just a species of uh, what I would say is an idolater. So they're idolaters, but they're a certain kind of idolaters. So, in a way, if I were to distill down, I'm not letting go of my beer for Jesus. I'm not going let, let, letting go of my paramour for Jesus. I'm not letting go of my paramour for Jesus. Even though they look different, it gets down to the same thing. What did the devil say to Eve in Genesis 3, 1-8? You don't need God. God doesn't have to be your Lord. You can be your what? You can be God. You don't have to worship the triune God of heaven and earth. You don't have to worship God, God. You can worship the creature. This is, this is a Colossians 2 towards the end. You can make up your own worship. You can worship a stick or a stone, Romans 1 and 2. You, you can be in control. So what we're looking at with these men that reject Jesus for money, they're idolaters. But what did Calvin say? Something like this. Didn't Calvin say oh, something along the lines of something like this? Human beings are idol-making what? we will make an idol of anything i 'm super strong idol i 'm super smart idol uh, call me reverend idol uh, my parents w- came over on the grand the, on the mayflower idol right idols, but it doesn't really matter because it reveals the same thing. I will not worship the creator I will worship the creature that's these guys and beloved it's just not the 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 thirty year old person I'm lamenting, this business of worshiping the creature, ensnaring us rather than worshiping the creator, does that, is, that a, is that a danger for us? Our brother is teaching on the Sabbath, the Lord's Day. And so I woke up this morning, and I broke the Sabbath before I got out of bed, and I actually committed worldliness or idolatry before I got out of bed. I remember thinking in bed, man, if I can make like two million dollars... I wasn't even out of bed. Thinking if I could just make two million dollars, I wouldn't have to worry about this and the soffits and the wo- the rotten wood in my house. I could put it in an account and it would make enough money and I wouldn't even have to worry. I broke the Sabbath. I'm the minister. I wasn't even out of bed. And I broke this. And what's the recourse? Oh, Jesus Christ. Forgive me. So this is a danger. And so we're looking at a species of idolatry. And when we look at these Christ rejectors being a species of idolaters. And what does the Bible say? Idolaters will not what? Inherit? Right. Idolatry is a form of self-worship, creature worship, world worship. Uh, there are lots of guys that write against the danger of worldliness. And the danger of being a money lover, Christ rejector for a money lover, it's a little bit trickier than, say, sexual immorality. If you're married and you have your wife and some woman that's not your wife comes along and says, Shazam, generally, within the breast of a Christian guy, is like, get your coat, Joseph, and run for the hills. Because you see it. Am I right with that? You see it. But when this business comes along, well, you need to go to work. And men work. And men should make lots of money because who doesn't like lots of money? It's trickier. It's it's a trickier form of sin. I would say when Saul kills his... Thousands, and David kills his ten thousands. I think sexual immorality kills its thousands. And worldliness, this. The unlawful use of a lawful thing kills its ten thousands. I got to work. I got to make money. So we're looking at a species of worldliness. And the Bible says in the book of James, James chapter 4, 1 through 10, friendship with the world is what? Go ahead and fill in the blank. Enmity or hatred with God. Now, so if, if we were to climb into our heads and we see people that are idolaters, people that are friends with the world, and for these people that reject Jesus in favor of the, of the world, they are living like they have no soul. I mentioned I'm on a super-duper diet. And there's a couple of these gurus that I follow. Do this, do that, and you'll lose this much weight. And there's a new guy that I'm I'm watching. And a lot of times the guys will reveal their philosophical, and I would say even their theological worldviews. And then I either have to give them the nicks or not. And so this one guy I'm following, he's a longevity guy. You can live to a million. Who wants to live to a million? And so he's a longevity guy. And so he says, oh, you can do this and eat eat beets and eat this. And I'm like, yes, eat beets, check, eat that, check. Then he has a video, How Not to Die. Can I watch him anymore? Thumbs down. So now you're not wanting to go from 200 to 50. You're trying to beat the curse. You're trying to beat 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You're trying to beat Genesis 2 16, 17. You're trying to beat Hebrews chapter 9, it's appointed by God for all men to die and then appear to the judgment. I can't listen to you. I'll have to watch the other guy. If you watch some of these guys, and I watch them, all they talk about. I'm monitoring my blood. I'm monitoring this. I'm monitoring that. It's all body, all physical. And I'm, I'm for taking care of yourself. Go for a jog. Eat carrots. All that good stuff. All body. These guys that reject Jesus for money are are, are not only the idolaters, in friends of the world. They live like they have no soul. They live like they have no soul. We're not animals. We, it, human beings are, are mammals, but we're not just an animal. God has placed what within the bosom or the heart of every human being? Eternity. We have an eternal soul. So after you live, whatever you, however long you've lived, I've done the funeral of a two-day-old baby girl and a 103-year-old woman. What, however long you live, when we die, what happens to our soul? We either go go up to live in the favorable presence of God in Christ, or we go away from the favorable presence of God in Christ. But the man who says, I'm all about my money, I'm all about the world, I'm all about this, they live like they have no soul. My kids are 35 and 33. They're not kids anymore. I have kids with my kids. and I suppose this is true for all parents. Honey, don't be allergic to work. Figure out how to do whatever so you can g- figure out how to pay rent and maybe get married when you, b- you hit a certain age. We want our kids to... Right? But do we work good for the good of their souls? I know the Puritans when, would write out their own uh, fu- funerals, and I've said this to my kids. If you burn me, I'm coming back to get you. Don't you burn me. You bury me and you bury your mother. It's a thing I have. No extra charge for that. We can discuss this later. So I've told both my kids, do not burn me or your mother. You better bury us. The Puritans would write it in their their wills. It would be a spiritual treatise. I want the spiritual good of my kid. But the worldling, it's all about this world. It's just just my body, my physique, my, my money, my wealth. And they're rejecting Jesus for that. But beloved, what's the problem with that? Many years ago, I had a bug guy come here. And if you're a serviceman and you come to this church, you're getting Jesus. I'm blasting you with Jesus while you're walking you around. And he said, okay, he goes, uh, can I go first and then you go? I said, you go first and then I go. He said, I don't believe any of this. And he said, now you go. And I said, just don't die. (laughs) Because you're going to be in the presence of the triune God and you're going to hear what? Depart, you idolater. Depart, you friend of the world. Depart, you who live like n- n- no soul. These guys were... S- what, what is money? What is gold? You ever watch anybody die? You ever watch anybody die? I have. Were they saying, you know what? I wish I had another car, or a shinier boat. No, what are they praying? God help me, God have mercy on me, if they're believers. No one cares about the cash when they're on their deathbed. They're going to leave it all all behind. So when we look at these guys, these these masters are here to frighten us. I just confess that I broke the Sabbath and I was a, I committed idolatry with money. I wanted two million, not a million. A million's not enough anymore. You have got to have two million because the interest rates are such garbage. It, that's wrong. If if if. If you could quantify how much time you spend on thoughts, words, and actions, is it towards your body, the world, or is it for the good of your soul? Or the good of your, your, your children's soul? Is it Christ? Is it heaven? And be honest. Be honest. One of the reasons we walk around half bonkers, and everyone's half bonkers, I know everybody thinks, oh, I... We're not half bonkers. Oh, we're all half bonkers. One of the reasons is, our brother's teaching on the Sabbath, we won't take a break. And we won't do good for our souls. We're so wiped out, filling them up with the, with the world. And that's what these guys represent. Judas lost what in favor of what? He rejected Jesus. Eternal life. Forgiveness of his sins for what? Go ahead, say it. 30 pieces of silver. One month's pay. People do way less than that. Way less. And he didn't even get to enjoy it, did he? That's who these fellows represent. I'm not going to... I've got gobs more. I, can preach, I, I could preach two or three sermons on this. I'm actually not going to um, preach two or three sermons because it's so... I, I just... It wouldn't be right. Um, I do want to say... Maybe five minutes more. But if you want the complete, I have a whole note on their enslavers of slavery. I have an excursus on slavery. You get my notes. I do want to say this people that hate and reject Jesus, they reveal their hatred of Jesus by their hatred of Christ's servants. That's what's going on. Paul and Silas are come to Jesus, you can be forgiven. And what do they do? They physically grab these guys. I think they broke the law. I don't think a Roman could grab another Roman like citizens arrest, which is what they did. They broke the law. If you know unbelievers who are enlightened, you know what I mean by enlightened? They have some degrees, they have some schmarts to them, they're from the Northeast. I'm just JK. And so they're enlightened and then you share, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only sin-bearer, what are they going to do to you? They're going to use a bad word. They're going to verbally abuse you. And then they're going to hurt you. See, the, see, the natural man, even if you dress it up, underneath, what is the natural man? George Whitfield, Half a beast and half a what? A devil. You will know true Christians by what? Their love for other true Christians. You say, well, do you you love Reformed Christians? I love Reformed Christians. I love everybody that loves Jesus. And do you disagree on the the Nicky News and the second and tertiary things? Sure we do. But who cares about that? In heaven, we're not going to have those secondary tertiary differences. You will know true Christians by their love of true Christians. How will you know a person that hates Jesus? By their hatred of Christians. That's this. And Jesus already tells the guys, listen, if the world hates me, guess what they're going to do to you? This is why I keep the church manageably small. They're going to hate you? So this isn't about having my best life now? (laughs) Yes, it is. You're forgiven by Jesus. You have the love of the Father. You're infilled by the Holy Spirit. You have the increase of grace and the fellowship of brothers and sisters. Awesome. But the devil's going to try to kick your teeth in and he's going to send his servants to hurt you. Physically hurt you? And then what? Look at the tactic that these people take. Do they say to the civil magistrates, well, actually, the reason we're so mad is these guys cast out the spirit of Satan from our our fortune-telling girl, and we lost our dough. Do they tell the truth? No. What do they do? They lie. The Puritans would say all the time, when the devil comes and promises you something, okay, this is to all the married Christian guys, no extra charge for this one. If you're married, which means you have a wife, and the devil comes to you and says, look, it, you don't need that old wife. You need the younger, whatever package version. You don't need her. So what the devil, would, what, what uh, um, the Puritans would say is, don't listen to the good things that the devil promises you. Always think about the good that you're going to lose. You're going to lose the wife of your youth. You're going to lose the, wife, the, the mother of your children. You're going to lose your name. All of this. He, he comes like this. It's going to be awesome. Just go ahead. It's all sweetness. And he's got, there, there's the sweetness, and then there's a steel hook in there. And we go, yeah, I think. And then you lose it all. When we come here, the devil is a liar. He says, he says to the civil magistrate essentially, well, the reason we did this is we're so concerned about the society. They're rabble-rousers. They're causing sedition. They don't care about sedition. They cause sedition. They cause political unrest. What do they care about? They're idol of wealth. I'm going to close with this. When we think about people that worship money and love money, the love of money is the root of all e- evil, is that only applicable to rich people? No. No. You could be poor as a church mouse and love money. So it doesn't necessarily mean that only rich people could actually use money lawfully and wholly, and a poor person could be a complete money lover. It has to do with the disposition of the heart. Is your heart fixated on the earth, fixated on wealth, or is it fixated on Christ? I'm going to read this, and I promise I'll, I'll be quiet. Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, you ready for this? This gets on this subject. We're all here, beloved. Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Who who here has been through an inheritance war? But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. He told them this parable saying the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat and drink and be merry. Now here's what God said. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as what you will put on. For your life is more than food, and body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no store room or barn, yet God feeds them. And this is to you, beloved. Yet how much more valuable you are than birds? And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even this very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You men of little faith, and here's the antidote to worldliness for us as believers. Do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. Do not keep worrying. For all of these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. What's the next line? Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. The Apostle John closes his first epistle in 1 John chapter 5, Little children, beloved, keep yourself from idols. Look to Christ. May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.